Well, good morning, Cole Community Church. It's good to be with you this morning. Let me ask you a question. Has your check engine light gone on recently? I know mine has over the years, and, and every time it comes on, it's never a very good feeling, is it? CarMD did a survey of over 2,000 adults to find out how they respond to their check engine light. And one of the things that they found is that of the 2,000 adults, there were, there were over 200 that were driving presently with their check engine light on. And then 50% of those 200 had the check engine light and had been on for three months or longer. Maybe that's you. And so this was very discouraging for those who put those into place because they put in the check engine light to, to show you that there's going to be an impending breakdown, that there's some serious problem with your engine. And yet people aren't responding to them overall. I even have a friend who, who takes tape and he puts it over his check engine light that's been on for a long, long time. And I say, why do you do that? And he says, well, my mechanic told me this car is older and so the check engine light just kind of comes on. The problem with that is that someday there's going to be an actual problem and he won't know that there's a serious issue going on with his engine. But most people don't respond and they don't look at getting their engine fixed. It takes too much time or they think, my car is running fine just now. And so they'll keep on driving with the check engine light on. But I want you to know our loving Lord, he turns our check engine lights on in our lives. And he gives us warnings that we are breaking down, especially when we're breaking down in relationship with him. That if we continue to go down this path, there will be destruction and for some spiritual death as they get further and further away from the Lord with their check engine light on. Too often we ignore the gift of grace of the check engine light for us. And in this story in 1 Kings, the Lord gives us this amazing journey of these prophets and this incredible story. It's one of the best stories I've read in all of Scripture. And it's filled with judgment. It's filled with amazing grace. I think it's a passage that is calling us back to Him, to the Lord, following Him. I think it's a passage that is calling us to worship Him alone. So let's pray for that this morning as we have the Lord work on our check engine light. Father, I just pray this morning that you will show up powerfully into our lives as we bring this word out of 1 Kings 13. Thank you that you turn on our check engine lights. And Lord, help us to respond to them. And through your power that we desire to to return and, and get our check engines fixed. So Father, we ask for your help in that. We desire to follow you. We desire to worship you alone. Would you be glorified this morning, we pray. Amen. Well, the check engine light for Jeroboam, the reading of that is that his heart is getting harder and harder in his life. God, in his grace, is trying to save his life. Do you understand? God loved Jeroboam, just like he loves you and me. 
And he had promised him in 1 Kings 11, Jeroboam, I'm going to give you all that your heart desires. I will make you king over Israel. Follow me. Obey my commands. I will give you a dynasty that will endure. I will build your kingdom over Israel. I will give all of that to you. What a gift from God. And yet, Jeroboam rejects all of God's love. And yet, out of love, God sends a man from Judah to come and bring judgment and to speak into Jeroboam's life. Let me show you the map to remind you where we're coming from. The map is that the the prophet of God is coming from the south and he's coming into Bethel to speak to Jeroboam about his false worship. And so this man of God, as he comes up into the northern kingdom, he shows up and he cries out against the altar. Right in the middle, Jeroboam is in this scene. It's the religious crime is happening there. Right in the act of idolatry. All of a sudden, this man of God shows up. God speaking into our lives. Let's just talk about this prophet for a minute. One of the things that you'll see is he's not given a name. And I think that's intentional, that this passage is not about the prophets, but it's focusing on who the Lord God is. He is holy God. He is a jealous God. He's a God who wants all of our praise and all of our worship. It's not about the prophets. It's about God and what he's doing here. It's about his grace and his love and his judgment. The man of God went from Judah to Bethel, and apparently what this is saying, there was nobody really in Israel, in the northern kingdom, that was worthy of bringing a word of God. And so it came from Judah. It's a sad commentary on the spiritual state of Jeroboam and the kingdom of Israel. And he uses God uses this unnamed prophet to come and bring forth his message. But here's the truth about this unnamed prophet. God knows his name. He knows fully who he is, just like he knows you and me. Created us, knit us together. God knows you, and he wants to use you for his purposes. And so he shows up and he makes a proclamation. And he doesn't speak to Jeroboam, does he? He speaks to the altar. Seems like it's the only animate, inanimate object that will actually listen to this prophecy. Jeroboam's not listening to God. And he speaks to the altar, and he says, this altar will split apart. It's a direct rebuke to the idolatrous practice that was taking place with Jeroboam. On this altar, bones will be burned of the priests who are sacrificing here. This worship is not godly. This worship is evil. And God speaks right into the middle of that. This man of God basically prophesies that Jeroboam and his dynasty are going to be ruined and taken over. And Jeroboam, as, as he's listening to this, and as he's continuing in his sacrifice... It's right in the middle of the sacrifice and his sin that God speaks to him through this prophet. 
It reminds me of the work that the Lord does with us as sinners. It says in Romans 5, 6, you see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, right in the middle of our false worship, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing grace? And isn't that what he's extending here to Jeroboam? God is a God who is holy. God is a God who keeps his promises. God is a God where all of his prophecies are fulfilled. And so what happens is 300 years later, this prophecy is fulfilled. In 2 Kings 23, Josiah shows up, the man that was prophesied about. And he cuts down all the Asherah poles. And he gets rid of all of the the stones that were sacred stones that were for false worship. And then he sees a tomb over here and he says, what's that tomb over there? And they say, this is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and spoke to Jeroboam 300 years later. And so he said, don't touch that tomb. Leave it as is. All the other bones we're going to burn on this altar. Jeroboam hears this prophecy spoken to the altar and he doesn't like it one little bit. He doesn't want God's word in his life. He doesn't like God's influence into his kingdom. We're the same, aren't we, often? And so what does he try to do? He tries to kill this man of God. Take him out. And he's going to use force. Get him. And as he stretches out his arm, he cries that he would be destroyed. But God's power is so much stronger, isn't it? Do you remember when Simon Peter was with Jesus and they were trying to figure out, Jesus is asking, who do they say I am? And here's how Peter responds to that question. You are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You try to stop the word of God. You're trying to stop the church from being built. You're trying to stop the power of God. Nothing will be able to hold it back. Because God loves you, and his grace is being poured out. And when the enemy tries to defeat that, it will not stop God's grace going forward. God's power came immediately right in the middle of Jeroboam making the sacrifice. And the altar is split right there. And he sticks out his hand. His hand is shriveled up. The altar splits. And then he pleads to the man of God. Verse 6. Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand might be restored. Obviously, the golden calves weren't helping him out. The power of false idols wasn't helping him out. Everything that we put our trust in other than the Lord, it will not help us in life. And as he's stretching out his hand and his hand shrivels up, he says, Would you pray and ask favor of the Lord your God? Intercede with the Lord your God. 
You see, he had gotten so far away from the Lord, his heart was becoming more and more hardened. The check engine light was coming on. Jeroboam, look where you're at. You're trying to fight for false idol worship. Come back to me. Come back to me. All of his idols failed him. God's power was working powerfully. And Jeroboam's heart was exposed. And at first, it seems like it's a righteous response. Oh, would you, would you pray for me? That seems righteous. But what we come to find in this chapter is that he never repented. It's what the Lord wants from each of us in our sin, to repent and to return. You see, grace had been given through these three powerful miracles. Grace had been offered, showing God's power in His presence. The hand was shriveled, one miracle. The altar split, two miracles. The hand renewed, healed, three miracles. Jeroboam, don't you see who I am, God is saying, through His prophet. He rejected it all. Basically, he goes on, he says, Oh, well, thank you, basically. Why don't you come home with me? I'm going to give you a reward now. Thank you, man of God. See, he still thinks, Jeroboam does, that he can control religion. It's something that that he has control over. He's trying to bribe God's prophet. But to accept Jeroboam's invitation would demonstrate fellowship with his idolatry and of the nation of Israel. And the prophet of God would not receive that invitation. You see, Jeroboam's hand was healed, but his heart was not. He wasn't responding to the check engine light that the Lord gave with grace, a real gift from God. Repent. Turn back to me. Remember all that I promised you? Follow me, obey me, live in my love. And we see at the end of the chapter in verse 33, it says this of Jeroboam, He continued in his evil ways, and the sin of the house of Jeroboam led to the downfall and to the destruction from the face of the earth. A heart that became hard and did not respond to the check engine light that God had graciously given. How do you respond when the Word of God rebukes you? I would encourage you to go before the Lord on your knees and repent and receive His forgiveness because He is quick to forgive and He wants to restore relationship with Him. That's who our God is. This is the first part of the story but there's a whole other half that just gets more and more wild. And it goes from verse 11 through verse 34. And I'm just going to tell you the story. Here it goes. There was an old prophet who lived in Bethel. And he was there. We don't exactly know why, but he was there in Bethel. And his sons had heard all that took place with Jeroboam and with the man of God who came. So the old prophet decided, well, saddle up my donkey. I want to go see and find this man of God. So the old prophet goes out, and he finds the man of God underneath an oak tree. And he says, man of God, 
Are you the one from Judah? And he says, yes, I am. Oh, please come home with me and eat and drink. I want to spend time with you. But the man of God said, no, I cannot do such a thing. The word of God has told me I must come and I must prophesy and then I must go home. And so he goes home by another way and is found by this old prophet. I cannot eat or drink. I cannot be in fellowship with this idolatry that's taking place here. So the old prophet says, oh, well, you know, I too am a prophet of God. And you know what? I just heard from an angel of the Lord who's giving a word of God, and he told me that you should come home and eat and drink with me. And the scriptures say, and the old prophet, when he was telling the younger prophet this, he was lying. He made up the whole story about the angel and the word from the Lord. But the young prophet, the man of God, he responded to that call. And he went home with him and he ate and he drank. While they're sitting at the table eating and drinking, a true word from the Lord comes upon the old prophet. And while the young prophet is eating, he cries out a word of God, which is true this time. And he says, you have defied the word of God. You have been disobedient to the word of God. You shall not return to the fathers, to the land of your fathers to be buried. Basically, you're going to die on the way home. So the old prophet takes the younger one, gets him on a donkey, and he rides out of town. As he's riding out of town, out of nowhere, coincidence, I don't think so, a lion attacks the man of God from Judah and kills him. Now, what happens is amazing. It's nothing but a miracle from God. The lion kills the man of God from Judah. He takes his body, he throws it onto the road, and then he just sits next to the body. And then the donkey is still there. The lion doesn't devour the man. The lion does not devour the donkey. Miracle of God. And exposing all who God is. And exposing his holy God. And he's going to do an incredible work of grace, I think, in this story. So people come walking by. They see, they see this craziness. A lion, dead body, donkey who's living. They go into the city of Bethel and they tell everybody in Bethel what's going on. And they say to them, this is what we saw. We can't believe it. The old prophet hears this story and he says, surely this is the man of God who defied the word of God. You kind of feel like, what a jerk. You're the one who led him into that. This is the one. But he gets on his donkey, the old prophet, and he rides out and he goes and he sees the man of God dead in the road. And he sees the living lion and he sees the donkey. And he picks up the body and he puts it on his donkey and he goes back to Bethel and he buries the man of God in his own tomb and he grieves and he mourns and he cries out, Oh, my brother. There's real grief in the man of God, in the old prophet for the man of God. And then he tells his sons, listen, I want you, when I die, I want you to bury me next to the man of God. I want my bones 
to be next to the bones of the man of God because surely everything he spoke about Israel, it will come true. End of story. And you end up going, what? This is an amazing story. And I think there's check engine lights for everybody in this story. The check engine light for the man of God is that there will be renewed temptation and he needs to be aware of it. The check engine light for the old prophet is that he has grown distant from God and deceitful in his ways and he needs to deal with it. But as you read the story, you struggle, don't you? Boy, this is so unfair for this young prophet who came from Judah. Why did he die? It's hard when we see spiritual leaders fail. And in this case, there's failure all around. And we struggle with that. The young prophet from Judah, the man of God, he started out strong. But the question for all of us is, how do we finish running this race? The man of God was truly obedient to the word of the Lord several times. Jeroboam, I can't do it. This is what the word of God says. When the old prophet comes initially, I can't eat or drink. This is what the word of God says. It was a beautiful obedience. It was like Jesus in the desert when when Satan was tempting him and he said, if you're God, Jesus, then go ahead and make some bread. And how does Jesus respond? With the word of God. And he says this, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus was in the desert, tempted and tempted and tempted. The prophet from God continues to be tempted You see, what happens in our lives is this. We think we're doing okay. We think our engine is running just fine. We're living strong. And it's right in that moment that the enemy attacks even harder. Check engine light is popping up all over the place. Don't get comfortable in what's going on right now because the enemy wants to devour you and destroy you. And he's going to tempt you again. We must always put on the spiritual armor of God, like Ephesians 6 says. And then Jesus, when his disciples were asking, how do we pray? He says, pray this, lead us not into temptation. And what? Deliver us from the evil one. Why? Because the evil one is always coming after us. And he knows when we're weak and he knows when we're struggling. And so right in his weakness, here comes this deceiving older prophet. Hey, I know you're tired and hungry. Come have some food. And I'm going to make up a story that an angel told me. It's just fine. This old prophet comes into his life and he invites him to do the one thing, the one thing he was forbidden to do. It hearkens to the garden, doesn't it? I think the old prophet takes on the role of the enemy of Satan here at first. Do not eat in the garden and the enemy comes and deceives oh surely you can eat surely you can eat did God really say and the enemy the old prophet is coming in at first the man of God resists this temptation and he resists with the word of God I heard from the word of God I shall not it's one of the reasons 
why we need to know our Bibles. Like Jesus used the Scripture in facing temptation. Like this man of God initially used the Scriptures to resist temptation. We need to know our Bibles so that we can resist temptation. Because guess what? It keeps coming. And so evil from the old prophet, he claims, I've received new revelation. I've received a new word from the Lord. There's church leaders today that are doing this and they're trying to control their congregations. We have a new, fresh word from the Lord. We have new insight from the Holy Spirit. We have new knowledge from God. I have a special word just for you, specifically, and what God has for your life. This is happening all over the place. And there's these new apostles that are popping up. And they're saying, we are new apostles. We have a fresh leadership for the church Follow us. This isn't some theory. This is going on presently in the United States today and around the world. The thing is, this old prophet, this deceiver, he just lied. He completely contradicted the Word of God. How do you know when prophecy is false? It completely contradicts the Word of God. And that's what's happening here. The old prophet lies. This message came from an angel. Paul in Galatians 1.6, he says, listen, don't you understand? You're following this other gospel. But even if we or an angel from heaven, if we should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Don't listen to them. Again, as we read this story, we go, boy, I'm still struggling. This is not fair for this young prophet. We feel bad for him that he was tricked. But frankly, he should have known better. Check engine light was coming on all over the place. See, no new word will contradict the word of God that we've already received. The old prophet was trying to persuade him, listen, Sin itself is actually the will of God. That's how he's trying to lead him. He's a deceiver. Wow, did God really say this? I'm pretty sure he didn't. Come and eat and sin. And we justify sin, don't we? Somehow trying to connect it with God's will for our lives. I've encountered many people who say, Listen, I know the Lord wants me to be happy and to be filled with joy. And one brother I was working with, he's like, you know what? Because I know the Lord wants me to be happy and filled with joy, uh, I really feel like my wife is, just brings a lot of anger and I'm unhappy all the time and I'm depressed and it's just sad. And so I think the, God, the will of God is that I should divorce her. I said, that is not the will of God at all. That is a word from the enemy straight from the pit of hell. Don't believe it. We are called to obey the will of God given by the Word of God. And unfortunately, this young man of the Lord from Judah, he was deceived, just like they were in the garden, and failed to do what God had called him to do. He really should have known. He knew knew what God asked of him. He should have tested the old prophet. And he should have used the word. He should have gone into prayer and said, Lord, is this really from you? He knew the scriptures. Deuteronomy 13 said, 
if there are prophets out there or dreamers who are trying to say, let's go worship other gods, if they're trying to lead you down another path, it says this prophet or dreamer, they must be put to death. 1 John 4, 1 says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits and see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, here's what you need to understand. We are hearing from so many different voices today, aren't we? And so you have to go to the Lord. Lord, help me be discerning. What is true? What aligns with your word? But this young man of God, he was disobedient to the Lord. And here comes a strong judgment. And we go, why? Why? I think it's strong judgment because the man of God from Judah is a spiritual leader. He's meant to be a light. And what happens is when we are spiritual leaders and we're to be a light and to be a blessing... What happens is God knows when we sin, when we disobey Him, that the world will not be reached as effectively when His people live in compromise, when His people live in disobedience. The old prophet sitting at the table speaks the Word of God. You have disobeyed the commands of the Lord. And it's also just a reminder that God's law stands over everyone. His judgment, His holy judgment, His righteous judgment is upon all of us. And He's trying to draw us back into obedience with Him. How did this judgment, how did this impact the old prophet? What's his story? What's he all about? I think he's living in the land of Bethel. I think he was a guy who was probably really loved God and loved worshiping him and loved being used by him as a prophet, speaking the word of God. And then I think he got distant. And then I think he started to listen to the deceiver and became a deceiver because he was distant from the Lord. But I want to take a look at how did the old prophet, how did he respond when his check engine light came on? When the reading said, you are distant and a deceiver. You know, he goes out. He goes out to see the dead man of God between the lion and the donkey. And he sees this incredible miracle. And he goes to pick up the dead body. And I can only imagine as he's picking up the dead body of the prophet from God that he's gazing into the eyes of that powerful lion, that lion from Judah, and being convicted to his core. And he picks up the body. He's probably thinking as he's looking at the dead body, this is where I am headed. Spiritual death for me. I have been away from the Lord. My life is empty and I am spiritually dead. I think the old prophet again was close to the Lord at one time and when the young man of God came in, I think he was going, oh, I long for that again. I think God 
got a hold of his heart. I think he responded to the check engine lights and said, Lord, take, take a look at my life. I think he was pierced to the core. That he comes and he cries out and he buries this man in his own tomb like Josephus with the body of Jesus. And he cries out and he mourns and he cries out, Oh, my brother! I think how I long to be in relationship. I think it took the physical death of this man of God to reach the heart of this old prophet who was probably feeling the guilt and the shame. I should have been the one who died. My brother, it's who I long to be. A man of God, one who's living in truth. I think he repented and turned his life around. And he tells his sons, I want you to bury me with this man of God. I want my bones to be next to his. This young man was connected to Yahweh. I am holy God. I want to be connected back in with him. Back in relationship with the living God. I want to be buried with his bones. I want to be buried with him, the righteous one. And Paul says in Romans, Don't you know that if you've been united with him in his death, if you've been buried with Jesus in his death, don't you know you will be united with him in his resurrection, in his life? And I think the old prophet longed for that. I want to be united with God. It's the tale of two kingdoms. The division of kingdoms and the prophets represent both kingdoms. Judah was to stand as a witness to the false idols of the northern kingdom. Judah was to show the true way of salvation, to witness about the goodness of God, to point out that which is false. We who are followers of God should do the same. But Judah was enticed by the northern kingdom to follow false gods. And basically, both kingdoms fell away from the Lord. But God kept trying to call his people back. God was always working on the hearts of men. Here's what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, basically, that he's cleansed by the Lord, from the latter works, which are the works of dishonor, if you're cleansed from that, you will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Basically, we become in relationship with God, cleansed, part of the true kingdom of the true king. God's amazing grace when our check engine light comes on and we deal with it. Has your check engine light come on? Is your heart getting harder towards the Lord? There's grace for you. 
Have you been victorious with temptation and then find yourself falling into sin because you fell into the temptation? There is grace for you. Do you find yourself distant from the Lord and becoming a deceiver and deceitful in your practice and even deceiving yourselves about who you are? There is grace for you. Let the Holy Spirit reveal why the check engine light is on. Repent and return in the power of the Holy Spirit. Run into the loving arms of the Father who waits at the end of the road for you to welcome you back in. Come to the table cleansed and renewed and forgiven. And it's at His table that you can eat and drink and rejoice and be in fellowship with your Savior, Jesus, the true King. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this passage. Father, forgive us our sin. Forgive us how we've walked away from you. Father, we thank you that you forgive us, that you cleanse us, that you're always calling us back unto yourselves. And I pray for each and every one of us that when that check engine light comes on through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we will respond, that we will return. We want to live following you in obedience and we want to worship you and you alone. You are the only worthy king. You are the true king. We love you, Jesus.